MSW Media. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun, let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. You heard it. It's called What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And guess who I am? Give you one guess. I'm the drinking guy. Joining me, got a drinking gal and a drinking guy as well. I guess. I think they are. I hope so. They're both very, very successful in whatever it is they do. I, I didn't have time to Wikipedia them, but I, I've been told by their publicist that they're important. And that's why we're having them on the show. Please welcome, give a warm welcome, coming at us all the way from New York City, Justin Silver and Christina Hutchinson. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, my best friend, Dan. I've never met you before. No, people know. I know. I know. Just, I've known Justin for years, and I met Christina through Justin. Christina's been on the show before, and Justin's been on more times than I can count. So it's great, and and always love having you on. You can't count the three? Well, yeah, it's been a few times. And we had Will Forte do the VO for my film uh, at your place. That's right, we were, Will. We when Will was on, and Christina was on, and it was a lot of fun. We are yeah. we have a big show ahead of us, and I'm going to tell you about what's going on here. So Justin and Christina are friends with the the crew from the Legion of Skanks. You tell us a little bit about the Legion of Skanks. It's a Bible study group. Yeah, and they're advocating for pro-choice and uh, and you know more Christ. No, they're uh, you take it away, Justin. You know them longer. They're uh, well dubbed as the world's most offensive podcast, and uh, it's uh, Big J Ogerson, Dave Smith, and Louis J Gomez, and it's got, got gathered quite a fan base in the past five years, and is the launching point for the skank fest comedy festival which is really really a lot of fun but the podcast is it's a pretty wild time and i initially was that it was initially a script that we all wrote based on big j's life and all of our friendships as we were first endeavoring into comedy no wait can i i want to ask you something real quick at this point in jay's career yeah because you're writing a pilot had he done anything that would warrant at least opening the doors yeah, he was. Yeah, he had yeah, a big enough name. Enough. He had a big enough name to get the doors opened. Okay, I was. Yeah. I was just curious if this was purely a. I, obviously, it was a spec pilot, but it was something that was written to try and capitalize on Jay's rising up fame. And up. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, got and, he, it. and he was, and he's a great storyteller of a comedian, and he had like uh, a Fantastic job. Comedian, yeah. yeah, and he had a job as a guy who uh, he worked for a promotional company where they did children's and adult entertainment. So it'd be everything from like driving strippers to bachelor parties. Was this Jeffrey Epstein's co- company? Yeah. No. Children and, and adults. They doing both. Okay. Like- Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what he was doing. Was it not, not different, different thing. 
He was, uh, you know, grooming teenage girls to give him massages on his dick uh, yeah. and then threatening their life if they wanted to tell. So, yeah. A little different, but slightly different. Thank God he wasn't friends with the president because that would be scary. Know, Imagine be how really scary weird. that would be. I know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, okay. So now you write this pilot. So, so we write, well, halfway through writing it, I got the CBS show and I was like, hey guys, um, Justin, I'm going to go wait, 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 he's jumping over the important parts. When he says he got the CBS show, Justin got a show on CBS called Dogs in the City. We don't know if he had to do anything to Les Moonves to get that because we do know that, no, you don't have to do anything to Les Moonves. No. He just got the show. I swear to God. Wow. So I swear to God I did He got it. the show. He was the host of the show. It was on CBS primetime. Justin taking care of people's or helping people train their dogs in New York City. That's the show he got. Take it now. Pick back up where you are in the story. And that's actually how we know each other, Dan. So I went off and did that. And then that took, you know, that ended me up in L.A. where I was living with you while you uh, were writing this script that. Oh, am I letting the cat out of the bag? bag, Keep going. Let's jump over that. There's an edit button. Yeah. Um, But I was then I was off. I was off in L.A. and they continued what they were doing. And then they turned it from a script to a podcast. And I got this huge following. So last night. Uh, they were like, hey, why don't we do a table read of the original script? Yes. And that's- That's what they did. And it inspired me, watching it inspired me because Justin and Christine had already agreed to be on the show. But when I watched that, I said, you know what? Let's do a table read. And the thing that Justin references, I have a pilot uh, that has gotten some attention. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's based on my book, American Wino, and so I thought, well, maybe we'll do a little read. We're not going to read the whole pilot, but we're going to do little parts of it with Justin playing the Dan character and Christina playing the Elizabeth character. And I'll I'll do some of the descriptions of what's happening and maybe there's a, a couple of characters I might have to jump in. But so we're going to do that and just a little bit of it, American Wine. I, 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 wanna, I haven't done this. I've never heard it read out loud. So I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited to hear that happen. And uh, I mean, I've heard it read out in my own head over and over and over. So we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes. So draw, there's drama. You're getting an extra bit. By the way, you signed, on, I- you signed on for a podcast today? But you're also getting a a, a, a table read. Can you take, I'm, I, I got to tell you, I'm a, I I'm nervous because you know I am skilled in the thespianic arts. Yes, you are. And I haven't had the chance to actually. Re- the last time I read this was with you. Okay. Uh years ago, and so I like to like at least do a read through before I do this. But I'm going cold. This is raw dog. I'm going cold. We're raw dog. No, no pressure here as well. But I was actually thinking about sending this episode to my friend Steven Soderberg and saying, uh-huh. by the way, man, check out the beginning in the interest you're, in the event you're interested in directing this thing, which has been a conversation we've had. So mm-hmm. no pressure, Justin. No pressure. Just I'll go see him to at the Steven meeting anyway. Soderberg. So. That's right. You guys. Yeah, are, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so we're going to get to that in a minute. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about. Uh, I wanted to plug something first of all. My 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 friend and Justin's hero, uh, Maynard James Keenan. Yeah. He oh, yeah. Ha- he is in the band Tool and the Perfect Circle. He also has a band called Pussifer. And as uh, Arizona Central reports, Maynard and Pussifer are promising take fans deep into the heart of the Arizona desert with this global live stream that they're doing on October 30th called Existential Reckoning Live at Arcosante, which is supposed Ooh. to be one of the most amazing venues in the world. It's on October 30th, which is the day the new 
Pussifer album hits the streets. So for those of you who haven't been to Arcosante, it's an experimental town near Cordes Junction. Architectural Digest once described it as a, quote, utopian metropolis in the Arizona desert that, quote, looks like the sublime set of a big budget sci-fi movie. So Pussifer is going to be doing a show there. Now, here's how you can catch it. Tickets and exclusive merchandise are now available at PussiferLive.com. That's P-U-S-C-I. FERlive.com. It debuts on October 30th at 3 p.m. and will remain on demand for 72 hours. Danny Wimmer, huge concert promoter, is promoting Existential Reckoning live at Arco Sante. And Maynard himself uh, reached out the other day and told me that it's something that is not to be missed. So go to PussiferLive.com and get your tickets for the live stream. Justin, you're going to be there, right? You'll be watching that. Absolutely. Can I say you and I at that Pussifer concert that we went to? I mean, that unbelievable. Amazing it's like a vaude- show. It's an it's a amazing show. Amazing. Band. There's like a vaudeville show. And then, and then I went with Christina. We went with, oh. with the Legion of Skanks, actually. Ten yeah. of us went to see Tool. Epic evening. At, on the ground, uh, at Barclays. Row. Eighth row. And that Mushrooms. was like. What row were you in when I took you to see Tool, Justin? We were like in the fifth. I thought we were too close. We were in the venue, third though. row. Third row. Were we? Fifth, third. I love Maynard's stage presence and I love how creepy he gets. Oh, and he's yeah. like him, like kneeling down on a, he like disappears. And then all of a sudden you see him on a speaker. Like like a this. I'm like, oh my God, this is so great. I love, well, and he, like, I'm a big fan of experimental, um, uh, uh, interactive theater. I love immersive theater. I think it's so cool. And I've seen shows that have changed like my, like, way of thinking about creativity and i uh he had a lot of that type of vibe in his performance it was cool well and you know look when you're the front man for three bands that are you know and in and, and obviously in terms of popular uh consciousness it's it goes tool then a perfect circle and then pussifer is a much smaller band but nonetheless has a, a very very loyal devoted fan base and they do great music as justin said we went to that show i was blown away there's a wrestling ring in it whoa when you're the front man for three bands, you're doing something right. Three great yeah. bands. I mean, yeah. Fear Inoculum, which just won album of the year, I think, at one of the big award shows oh, uh, for Tool, uh, is it was their first album in how many years, Justin? Tool's first album? In Seven. Thir- I thought it was 13 years. Yeah, something No, like since that. their last one? Yeah, 13 years, I think it was. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, and it, 2000. And it blew it. It just blew it away. Everybody loved it. So great. So that's what we got going on. What we also have going on is what we have in our glasses here this is a show called what we're drinking i'll start with what i have in my glass which is uh from lahoda vineyard company this is a 2017 howl mountain merlot so lahoda's in napa valley and just to give you a little bit about the lahoda vineyard company they were founded in 1898 by frederick hess an immigrant from Switzerland. He had a German language newspaper in San Francisco. He built this beautiful stone winery from this volcanic ash rock quarried on the property. And very quickly, way back then, 120 years ago, uh, Frederick Hess and, and other early pioneers of Napa got this idea in their head that the best wines in the world were being made in Europe, but the the, the the shallow soils, the wind and fog, the remote, it was very reminiscent of these great vineyards in Europe. And they believed that Napa Valley could achieve the same distinction with their wines. And now we know they were fucking right. Okay. Yeah, they were. Good call. Even back in as far back as 1900 at the Paris Exposition in Paris, uh, some of Hess's wines from La Hoda 
won a big uh, medal there and and got on the map. So then came Prohibition. We know about Prohibition. It fucked everything up, and it effectively ended wine production in the United States, and all these uh, Howe Mountain great wines, it just collapsed. And then Prohibition ended in 1933, but the damage was already done. And really, so many, it's hard to believe now. Have you guys been to Napa, by the way? No, I've always wanted to go. No, never been. Okay, so, but know. you know, you've had the wines, obviously. You have them now. It, it it's hard to believe it now, but there were so many ghost wineries and I'm talking into the seventies, 1970s. Damn. And in 1974, this oil man, Bill Smith purchased Lahota La- La vineyard company, which was, there was nothing there. It was run over with weeds and whatever. And then eight years later, uh, he got the winery bonded again in 1982 in in 2005, Jess Jackson. We know Kendall Jackson and his wife, Barbara mm-hmm. Banky purchased Lahota. And now, and then they hired this guy, Chris Carpenter, an old buddy of mine, who is one of the great winemakers in America, I'd say in the world. And now they're producing very small lots, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, Cab Franc, and Chardonnay on a world-class level. And that's what I'm drinking right now, this Lahota Vineyards Merlot. It's about $85 a bottle, so it's not cheap. But it is compared to what we're about to talk about, which is the wine that uh, Christina and Justin are drinking, which is also made by Chris Carpenter. Guys, what do you have in front of you right now? Cardendale. Cardenale. 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon. I didn't realize how classy this wine was, Uh, Let me give you a little bit about Cardinal. It is (laughs) one of the most exclusive wines in the United States. You can only get it if you go to, it's Cardinal, so C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L-E. Go to their website. You can only get their wines if you're part of their wine club, and even then, you're not guaranteed to get them. I'm going to guess that this wine that you're drinking Retails for about two hundred and fifty dollars a bottle. Woo. Cheers, Chris. Yes. Cheers, we're drinking money. Hey. Yeah. So, uh, and Chris started off with this blend with twenty-five different wines that he was using, and then got it down to about sixteen bla- uh, base blends using some grapes from Stag's Leap. You've heard of that area, Diamond mm-hmm. Mountain. Uh, that that's kind of the backbone of this blend. And then they get the structure from Howe Mountain and Mount Veter. So these are all sections of Napa that I'm talking about. Play Appalachians in Napa where they grow grapes and some of the more famous ones. And and then you get this you get this wine, which I'm not drinking, but I'd love to I'd love to hear what you guys think of it. It's yummy. Dan. Tastes great. It's dry. Which maybe all red wine is dry. Uh, so I, I I you know part of my vernacular, my wine vernacular is very limited. Uh, it's it's thick. It's that. It's thick. It's, it's like smoky. thick and creamy. It's thick and creamy. It's smoky and it's like a little chocolatey. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a, a huge reds guy. I'm not, but this is fantastic. This is, really this is delicious. It's a world class wine, and it's certainly one that I would say if you're gonna get this, maybe get yourself two bottles: one to drink now, and one and to one sit on for about 15 yeah. years. I didn't oh. realize how special it was until you told me about how special it was, and then you I felt like. <laughs> and I had a lot. I got a lot. I I had half of it while I was just sitting there by myself before we did the show because I had nothing else to drink. And then I was like, "Ooh, I really wasted this. I should have." <laughs> and then I just didn't touch he it. He could have been drinking two dollar tequila. And I could have been drinking a white claw. Yet. And I didn't True. know. I didn't know what the value of what I was drinking. I was like, "This is really good wine," but I did not realize the caliber that it was until you explained it to me because I am not the connoisseur. 
that you are, but this is when you say you wasted, I'm going to bring out a simple question. I ask everybody when it's the same thing when, when people say to me, Oh, well I mixed it. I had this really great whiskey, but I I mixed it with Coca-Cola or ginger ale. And did I ruin it? I didn't fucking ruin it. If, did you like it? Yeah. If you liked it, then you, you didn't waste it. That's the point. I did. I did. I, I know if you chugged it through your butt while you were asleep. You I did wasted not. It. I did not do that. I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't so also you're... use it for cooking or anything like that. But however, the fact that it is what it is and then to hear you describe you it the way you describe it, like it makes you appreciate it that much chuck. more. And then I was like, you know, that it is true. I think the more you special. know about the wine being fancy before you drink it, the better it tastes. It's, that, it's, it's fancy because of the way, the way Dan describes like the, the, things. It's yeah, like, he, yeah, yeah. He, he, he inspires an interest in things. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Dan, you inspire interest. Here, here's how you waste wine. And I have wasted plenty of wines in my life. It's when I get drunk and I bring people back to the house and I want to. When does that happen? You don't drink. And then I want to act baller. Like, you know, I have friends. I'm, I'm going to act baller. And then the next day I wake up and I, I look at the, you know, the counter and I'm like, oh, no. I didn't open that, did I? I didn't give them that wine, did I? Jesus Christ, the 96 dumb. Did you, do you keep the bottles after you drink it? No. Because sometimes when stuff's expensive, I keep the bottle. I don't know why. Damn, we kept the bottle of Justin. That's a story you got to tell on this one day. That's a story we got to tell on this one day. Yeah, we did a, we had a secret Santa. What are those things called? What is it called Secret when you Santa. no? But it like the white elephant. White elephant. That it, that's like it. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can pick the next gift if you wanted, or yeah, you can steal yeah. somebody's. White elephant. So I, mean, I had a bo- I had a bottle of Justin that we drank. Justin's a wine from uh, Paso Robles, uh, up in the central coast of California, and it's a good wine. So funny. It's a good wine. It used to be a better wine. Sorry, folks from Justin, Justin fans, if you're listening. Justin but it had a. Better. It got very hot years ago, and and this was around that time, and. We drank it, but it came in a box, and it came in a Justin box. So with a sliding front, you have this. So it's like it almost looked like something that a magician would have. So it's like it's like it's <laughs> like, like a, a box shaped like a wine box, and it's got a sliding front that would open up that says Justin. We get it. We got to bring something to this white elephant party. It's a big party in Venice Beach, and we decide we're going to bring this. And Justin took a photo of himself on the beach lounging shirtless on the beach which uh-huh, he then always. that he printed out and wrote like i love you like like the old no enjoy me yeah enjoy me <laughs> wrote, enjoy me on it like the old tiger beat <laughs> team beat stuff and there was like heart justin right that we then put inside this box and close it up and i should mention yeah we might have been on mushrooms too so we it was, it was even funnier when we got there and so all the, all the gifts are up on the table and like right away, I think it was like the second or third person, this guy comes up and he's like, man, I love this. I can't believe anybody got this. And he grabs the wine and and then when he opens it, so we're like, oh man, he got it. And now we're in the back. There's like four or five of us and we're all tripping. And he- and It was uh, such a weird environment to be tripping. It was a weird because there's kids, was a little uptight there's of a kids party. running around. Oh, <laughs> oh, there were kids. Everyone kept referring to us as the mushroom people. Yeah. And we weren't, it was no secret that we were on something. And I was on a first date. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Add some more layers that you didn't need. Yeah. And so the guy, the guy opens it. He's so excited to pull out his bottle of Justin, and he sees this shirtless dude enjoy me, and 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 we're laughing so hard at this. But then he goes. But then the laughter stopped. Christine, you want to know why? Why? Because he took the photo and he threw it onto the. And he went, <laughs> "What the hell?" And we're like, "He didn't appreciate it." What the fuck? 
We got really upset. The disrespect. Yeah. No, no, really. In, in our mushroom addled brains, too, we're like, that's fucking total disrespect, man. Yeah. Not that we're going to fight or anything. We're on mushrooms. But we're like, we got to get this guy back. And then somewhere along, so we oh, we needed to get the Justin back. We needed to get the Justin. But it became- it You became, needed to kidnap it back. It became the amulet of our uh, our Lord of the Rings journey on mushrooms. <laughs> it was to get the Justin. <laughs> and to the point where like, I ended up doing some really goofy shit. So I had this like deep fryer that I got. And I said, well, I'll just go trade the fryer because this is a practical thing. Who doesn't want this? And all they have is a box. It's just a box, right? And the photo. And I went up and I was like, hey, man, you want this fryer? And we'll take the box. We'll just take the, because the box is him. Get it? It's him. And I'm like, and and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then his wife goes, no, I want that box. I'm going to like put some stuff in it. And I'm like, seriously? What? And she's like, yeah, it's a nice box. And I go, come on. Right? And she's like, I go, this is a fryer. She's like, I don't cook fried food. And she was serious. And I'm like, motherfucker. So then we had to go back and plot. So then we got a friend of ours. Three, this was three hours. Yeah, Sarah Mills was one of the last people. And Get she's, so, no, we brought, we basically bribed her. We're like, you need to steal that gift from them. Right. She's like, but I want right. to get, I want to get a real gift. And we're like, we'll give you this fryer. She's sure, like, I don't want the fryer. Gift. Nobody wanted the fryer. I think we like paid her cash it's or something. LA. We're like, yeah, here, here's a hundred dollars. Get that fucking box back. <laughs> <laughs> we still have, wait, don't you have it? I think it's here somewhere. Yeah. Go get it. <laughs> I don't know if it's in that. It must be in a box somewhere. He's got stuff Is my in picture it. still in it? I hope so. Jesus Christ God, for posterity. Anyway, there we go. So oh. now let's, I want to set up what you guys have your scripts in front of you. We're we reading do. off the They're phone. They're on our phones. Okay, so here's, let me just very quickly, American Wino is my book, and the book was written after my brother passed away. He drowned, jumped off the Venice Pier, and he, he died. And then a few years later, I went on a, a uh, road trip around the country, ostensibly to uh, become the leading expert on American wine, but really it was to to fix myself, to heal myself from this uh, loss that I'd suffered. And now one bit of poetic license that's taken here from right at the top is it's going to open. Actually, no, I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not going to describe it. We'll just read. So this is American Wino. This is a pilot that was written by my friend, Scott Alexander and myself based on the book. And we're just going to open with the beginning. I'll read the action things. And in the first scene, there's a, a flight attendant. I'll also be the flight attendant. Okay. And Justin is going to be playing Dan which is the character based on me, Dan. And mm-hmm. Christina will be playing Elizabeth, no which is the character based on my soon, then soon-to-be ex-girlfriend, real name Jessica, but in the book, Elizabeth and in the thing she's... Uh, she's. So here we go. And I'm going to start us... Where is it? Let me find that script. Oh, there we go. Okay, here we go. This is the beginning of the, this is the, beginning of the pilot. This is where it starts. Okay. By the way, before we start, just want to tell you this very opening scene, it starts over black and what you're hearing Dan talk in voiceover. So here we go. It's black, the sound of waves crashing. It's a 25-foot drop from the Venice Pier to the Pacific Ocean, depending on the tides. The blackness begins to illuminate ever so slightly, revealing what appear to be stars in the background. To hear Brian tell it, you're only in the air for a second. It feels like you hang there forever. A shape comes into focus. The silhouette of a man descending slowly through what is now evidently the night sky. With the lights on the shore, the adrenaline in your veins, the hungry roar of the ocean below. The silhouette passes down and out of frame. 
You're a perfect being, suspended on an invisible string, burning with possibilities. The roar of the ocean grows louder, bleeds into the sound of, and we see an airplane, 747, streaking across the sky. Sitting in the airplane is Dan, 40, fully reclined middle seat, eyes shut, wearing headphones. He's good-looking enough, but disheveled, haunted, like he gave his last shit quite some time ago. From his headphones, the fierce metallic crunch of Slayer's rain and blood... There are four empty mini vodka bottles and a can of Bloody Mary mix on his tray. Next to Dan, in the aisle seat, in its upright locked position, is Dan's girlfriend, Elizabeth, 30. She's asleep, a copy of Under the Tuscan Sun resting on her lap. A flight attendant stands in the aisle, trying in vain to get Dan's attention. Sir? No response from Dan. Sir, we've begun our descent into Los Angeles. Eyes still shut, Dan mouths the lyrics to Rain and Blood. Sir, I need you to turn off all portable electronic devices and return your seat back and tray table to the full upright position. The flight attendant removes the items from Dan's tray. Dan remains oblivious. Sir! Elizabeth stirs, surprised to see the flight attendant hovering over her. I'm sorry, is there, is there a problem? Are you two together? Yes. We've begun our descent into Los Angeles. I need him to turn off all portable electronic devices and return his seat back and tray table to the upright lock position. I'm sorry. Elizabeth shakes Dan. He opens his eyes, a bit bewildered. His gaze shifts from Elizabeth to the flight attendant and back again. Music still blares. Elizabeth gestures for Dan to remove the headphones, and he does. What's up? Elizabeth looks up at the flight attendant, still hovering. Sir, I need you to... We're good. It's under control. Flight attendant eyes Dan expectantly and stays put. Seat up. Tray up. Headphones off. An uncomfortable beat as Dan fixes Elizabeth's angry gaze. He looks at the attendant and a smile creeps across his face. Extra slowly, he raises the tray table, then the seat back. He makes a show of fumbling around his pockets like he can't find his phone, before taking it out and turning off the music. He flashes a happy-now look, The flight attendant leaves in a huff, and Elizabeth fumes. Was that fun? I was listening to music, Elizabeth. You were being an asshole, Dan. Again, Dan. Whatever. She was acting like I was trying to set off a shoe bomb or something. At the word shoe bomb, a middle-aged woman in the opposite row looks over in horror and recoils. (sighs) She was just doing her job. Oh, but maybe you don't remember what that's like. Doing a job? Dan shakes his head and fake smiles. Not sure I recall that one. No. You need to start writing again, Dan. And not just for the money. Oh, welcome back, everyone. It's time to play everyone's favorite game, Dan's a Deadbeat. You need to come back. Back to what? Back to you. Back to normal. Normal, huh? Normal pissed off about three years ago. Remember? Yeah, I remember. Dan puts his headphones back on, settles into his seat, and reclines it again. Hey. Yeah? Exasperated, Elizabeth gestures at his reclined seat. You know what they do if you don't put your seat in the upright lock position for landing? What? They land the plane. He hits a button on his phone, and Slayer roars again. Now we're inside the airport terminal, 
A TSA officer is leading Dan off the plane and down the jetway in handcuffs. Elizabeth stalks alongside them, incensed. Failure to follow directives of an in-flight representative? Is that really even a thing? The TSA guy ignores him. How could you do this? I think the better question is, how could he do this? I mean, seriously, man, who's the real enemy here? Society, am I right? The TSA guy remains implacable. That's it. I'm done. Come on, Liz. Do we have to do this now with him? That's funny. I've been asking myself the same thing. Look, I'm sorry. You know how I get when we get back east. It just fucks me up. Everything fucks you up, babe. You're perpetually fucked up. And it's been this way since... What? Say it. Stop. Dan, please just stop. They arrive at a door that says authorized personnel only. Ma'am, I'm afraid you're not going to be permitted beyond this point. You hear that, ma'am? From here on, it's just me and this sexy hunk of federally deputized man meat. The TSA guy opens the door and jerks Dan along. I'll see you at home. Elizabeth just stands there, crying helplessly, as a sea of humanity swirls around her. The door closes. Pretty good so far, right? How we feeling? Yeah, I'm, this is... You're a beautiful this writer, is, Yes, I am, I am into this. What's right. happening is that I'm losing my sight and in uh, quarantine <laughs> have just not mustered up the energy to go get glasses. Oh, I'm fumbling get glasses. all over this fucking thing. I, I think you're killing it. Let's, let's, yeah. We're on a roll. Let's go right into the next scene. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Exterior, Dan's apartment later that day, and you see it says Venice, California. Dan exits an Uber, haggard from his stint in airport jail. Interior, Dan's apartment. Dan enters and encounters Elizabeth, a travel bag slung over her shoulder, lugging a box of her belongings. What's this? I didn't think you'd be home for a few more hours. I caught a break. Some dude gassed up coming back from Vegas and punched a flight attendant. See? Proof that somewhere in the world there's a bigger asshole than me. Liz, I'm sorry. I'm moving out. No. Yes. No. Come on, things aren't that bad. Things have been that bad for a long time. You're unhappy and I can't fix it, and that makes me unhappy. So, I'm going. Liz moves toward the door and Dan blocks her. But, hey, that's mine. Dan plucks the glass top portion of a lava lamp from the box she's carrying. He begins rummaging through the box. Where's the bottom? What? The base of the lamp, the thing that heats it up. She jerks the box away, elbows her way past him. Jesus, just let me go. What am I supposed to do? Whatever you want. But so I, long as I don't have to clean it up. But I want. Dan, I don't want. Please just stop. It's over. How am I supposed to pay the rent? Write something. Get a job at the Gap. Our lease is up at the end of the month. You can move to a smaller place. That's just fucking great. You'll figure it out. Maybe. It's up to you. But I'm done caring about this. She walks out. Dan follows, still carrying the lava lamp. Exterior Dan's apartment continuous. A distraught Dan follows Elizabeth to her car. Is this about Brian? Sure. I mean, what isn't, right? It's all been about Brian for years now. Oh, well, excuse me for giving a shit about my brother. It's not... Dan... I'll get the rest of my things later. She puts her hand on Dan's face, kisses his cheek, and gets in her car. She closes her eyes for a moment, composing herself. This is hard, but necessary. She starts the car and looks up at Dan. Her expression softens. She smiles ruefully and pulls away. Dan walks out into the street behind her car. Wait, that's it? You kidding me? 
As the car continues down the block, Dan realizes he's still holding the top of the lava lamp. Where's the bottom of this, Elizabeth? Where's the bottom? Boom. There we go. <laughs> this is great. I'm, I'm interested. This is a really great script, though. I remember, yeah. when, you, I remember when you wrote it, Dan. I, I, and I've read a lot of... Uh, I used to intern and read a shitload of scripts, and then you, you very quickly see the difference between a, a good script and a bad script. Your descriptions are beautifully Dan put. Dan can write. Thank you. Yeah. I can't read today. I'm going blind, but, or maybe it's the, maybe it's this maybe fantastic two hundred bottle of wine. Two hundred fifty dollar bottle of wine. Oh. No, I can't. I, I I am beyond not Thank able you. to read anything lately. What if you tried to be Brian in the next scene? Uh-huh. So and then I become Dan and Christina becomes the narrator. You want to try it? You want to go for it? We do one more scene. I want to be the TSA guy because I thought that was the most. <laughs> That's probably the part you're going to get. I'll do one more. Yeah. I'll do yeah. one more. All right. So okay. now, now we've now switched it up. And mm-hmm. first of all, let's have a sip of wine. So I'll take some of our wine. This is because that's good. All right. Now we're switching it up. Christina is assuming the duties of the 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 directional narrator person. I'm going to be Dan because I am Dan, and Justin is going to be my brother Brian. Okay. Do you have to give any backstory and explain at this point? I don't know. We'll, we'll just roll with Brian it. Thing. Okay. So we'll Got start this. with interior so, Dan's apartment moments later. This is you, Christina. Dan takes measure of the place. There are several bright squares on the wall left by picture frames. A door to ca- a cabinet containing vinyl records is wide open. A desk is piled high with junk and various items of clothing. It hasn't been used for its intended purpose in some time. There are stacks of bills along with several unopened letters from Harper House Publishing. A row of books atop the desk include a series of identical trade paperbacks, Tequila Made Easy and Vodka Made Easy, both authored by Dan Dunn. Dan finds the bottom of the lava lamp beneath a pile of underwear and replaces the top. Though it's still light out, he turns the lamp on anyway and stares at it. Fuck. Interior, Dan's bathroom. An ashen Dan stares in the mirror. He's clearly been crying. He opens the medicine cabinet and examines its contents. Interior, Dan's living room. That night, Dan is on the sofa, drunk, zombie-eyed. Face is streaked with tears. Nico's These Days is on the turntable. On the coffee table in front of him is a glass, a half-empty bottle of whiskey, and two prescription pill bottles. And all the times I had a chance to... Dan opens one of the pill bottles and dumps a bunch of pills onto the coffee table. I don't do too much gambling these days. He empties the other bottle's contents onto the coffee table. And I wondered if I'd see another highway. He reaches unsteadily for the pile of pills. Off screen. What the hell are you doing, bro? Startled and wasted, Dan falls off the sofa. Jesus, you scared the shit out of me. Angle on Dan's brother, Brian, 31, tall, athletic-looking, wearing shorts, flip-flops, and a green Notre Dame fighting Irish t-shirt. Dan hoists himself back onto the sofa. What are you doing here, Brian? (laughs) From the looks of things, stopping my big brother from killing himself. Dan slumps back, defeated. I wasn't going to kill myself. Brian plucks a pill bottle from the table. Oh, no? So your doctor prescribed Alprazonum for what? To hear your shitty taste in music? It's for sleeping. Sleeping's for the weak. I, I, I can't do this right now. Brian heads over to the record player. 
Me neither. You got any REM? He flips through the vinyl. Dan pours himself more whiskey. Is this about what happened at the airport today? It's about everything, man. Elizabeth, you, I'm fucking broke, unemployable, about to be homeless. Oh, man. Sounds serious. Can't imagine what that's like. (laughs) Ah, there we go. Brian puts an album on the turntable. We hear the opening strains of R.E.M.'s Night Swimming. Man, I love this song. Dan glares at Brian incredulously. You fucking with me now? No, I really like this song. She blamed you, you know. What the hell did I do? Another incredulous look from Dan. Okay, I did one thing, but you've got to admit, I mean, I've been an angel ever since. For fuck's sake, Brian. What am I going to do? My life's a mess. Brian sits next to Dan, pats him on the back reassuringly. Look at the bright side. Which is? I don't know, but you should definitely look at it. And come on, you're single. That's fun. Come on, let's get out of here. Exterior. Hinano Cafe, a Venice dive bar. Later, Dan and Brian approach a loud dive bar. You've been out of the game a while, but it's like riding a bike. Shit, it's like riding a tricycle. Dude, my four-year relationship just ended out of nowhere. No, 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 a big wheel. You're about to ride a big wheel. You know why? Because your ass is only about an inch off the ground right now. Doesn't get much lower than that, big brother. They linger at the entrance to the bar. I think I'd rather just go home. That's good, because you're going to go home with the new love of your life. He puts his arm around Dan and muscles him through the door. Interior, Hinano Cafe, continuous. The bar is packed. Classic rock blares. Everyone's wasted and having a good time. Brian beams. Dan is miserable. (sighs) You smell that? Stale piss and B.O.? Pheromones. Places filthy with them. Angle on a group of women across the bar. And boom! There they are, Danny boy. The ones. Just waiting for you to go over there and talk to them. Which one? All of them, you dope. None of them are going to want to talk to me. Are you kidding? Right now, you're more attractive than you've ever been. You're the saddest puppy in the pet store. You know what that means? It means one of them has to take you home. Dan sighs as he reluctantly sidles up to the bar. Okay, one drink. But that's it. He signals to the bartender. Just then, to his surprise, he notices one of the women in the group, Susan, 30, giving him the eye. He, he raises his eyebrow and smiles wanely. Interior Hinano Cafe, dance floor. Susan, who is wasted in the most fun way possible, is sandwiched between Brian and Dan on the crowded dance floor. Susan is locked on Dan and doesn't seem to notice Brian at all. They shout over the music. I love this song. Yeah, me too. Dancing, Brian gives Dan a go-for-it look. Dan shrugs. This is fun. Yeah, it is. Another look from Brian. What are you doing, man? Uh, It's nice to meet you. I haven't done this in a while. What, dance? No, talked to a woman in a bar. Brian's eyes go wide. He waves Dan off furiously. Dude, no, you gotta be smooth. Like, ask her if she's African. African? Yeah, because she's African babe. (laughs) Brian busts up laughing, goes for a high five. Susan oddly is oblivious to Brian and Dan's conversation. Uh, So, hey, where are you from? Uh, Who gives a fuck? Susan plants a ravenous kiss on Dan and they start making out. Interior, Dan's bedroom. A short while later, 
half disrobed Dan and Susan stumble through Dan's bedroom door, lips tearing at each other. They fall on the bed and go at it like rabbits. Interior, Dan's bathroom, minutes later. Dan leans against the wall as he empties his bladder. Writing not paying so good, huh? Has it ever? How long have you been dealing to make rent? Excuse me? Oh, come on. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Half the writers I know sell drugs on the side. Over the roar of his drunken urine stream. Huh? Interior, Dan's bedroom, continuous. Dan exits the bathroom and finds Susan holding up a Ziploc full of grayish powder. Dan gets fake mad. You're already going through my drawers. I haven't had a chance to stalk you on the internet yet. I was looking for another condom. I've never seen a bag of heroin this big. This is heroin, right? It's not white enough to be coke. She dumps some on the nightstand and wets a fingertip to take a taste. I don't think you want to do that. I'm a big girl. (laughs) Points at the Ziploc. It's my brother. Oh, I see. Your brother is the drug dealer, but your brother won't mind if we just do a little, right? Oh, he'd think it was hilarious. Good. Let's do something screw. This clearly isn't her first rodeo. She scoops up the powder with a fingernail and snorts it, then freezes confused. What do you think? He's good shit, no? What the hell was that? I told you. It's my brother, Brian. Brian? Well, his ashes anyway. All the air rushes out of the room as Dan's words hang in the air. Susan is frozen in place. Then... You fucking psycho! She leaps at Dan, swatting at his head with her fists, screaming at disgust. She hastily scoops up her things. Are you kidding me? Well, in my defense... It's too late. In a whirl of Chanel and Boo, she darts out of the bedroom door. Seconds later, the front door slams. Christina, you take over the reading the action. Narration. And Brian, uh, Justin's Brian. Oh my God, bro. That was unreal. Suddenly, Brian is in the room in a chair next to the bed. I mean, I've had some chicks do some fucked up shit to me, but getting snorted? That's good. Perks of being dead, I guess. Dan flops onto the bed. Hey, be nice. I got you laid. You feel better now? You do. Admit it. You know what? I really don't. I can't win with you. Brian retrieves an autographed football from atop the dresser. He pretends to take a hike from center, then hitches the ball back like he's going to throw it. Put that down. Nah, man. Goal line stand. Come on. Jaworski's got receivers. He's back in the pocket, but what's this? He's, he's, oh my God, he's going over the top. Brian leaps at Dan like a quarterback trying to hurdle a linebacker as we cut to interior Dan's house flashback. So I say we stop at the flashback. Yeah. There we go. Leave him one more. I, I, I always loved the reveal of him being the ghost. Being dead. Yeah. Yeah. And the ashes being that. I always thought that was really clever. I thought you guys did an amazing job. Thanks. We, I didn't read it until I just read it. So that's, it's, you're good, good on, you're good on first reads. You've done, she's done first, you've done first reads on my old podcast a lot. I'm terrible on first reads. No. That's what a BFA in acting will get you a lot of debt. I have good it. On first I had it too, but I can't, I can't, I can't read cold. I hate it. You got a BFA in acting? I took, I mean, I did acting in college and filmmaking. Oh, and sure. went, okay. but, come on. Yeah. Now we should plug. He was just on high fidelity. Come on. Yes. Got to make Hulu. out with, uh, what's her name? Zoe, Zoe, uh, Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. And, and you, yeah. and you also, you guys did a film together. Uh, oh, Christina's <gasps> film. Yes, it's called, it's called dwell. My first short film. Uh, yeah, you can get it on my website. Christina Hutchinson.com for guess, free. Guess where we shot it. In right my house. here. Right there. By the way, Justin, hold your, hold your ears for a second. 
Christina, by the way, if you want to do a project with like somebody who knows what they're doing, just hit me up. You know? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? just no, yeah. Email later. me later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, right, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. You back? Okay. I'm back. What's up? Well, I, I thought this was fun to do a little reading. I don't know if the, you know, I don't know if uh, it's going to get us the deal that I hope we're, do you think by Wednesday, maybe? Thursday? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I have full confidence. Probably yeah, would come call. Just make it yourself. Competing offers. Yeah. All I know is when Soderbergh hears this, it's going to do nothing. No. Uh, he's he's going to. He's going to be like, I want that Justin Silver shot. <laughs> I'm kidding. Boom, Dude, you boom, killed it, boom. man. How's the wine, by the way? It's, so good. It was good. We finished it. Is it gone? I'm chugging it. I mean, it's going quick. Uh, well, it was only arrived at my, it arrived at my home half consumed. It wasn't half consumed. Quarter consumed. It was about third quarter, consumed. About that. Yeah. Something like that. So we finished off the last two thirds and it was great. Thanks for the wine. Can I ask you a question, Christina? Do you, you think I should edit any of what we just listed? Should I just play it? You just play it. I think we should just no, play no, it. No, please, please. I hate. When P- I, I am not, I have since gotten much better at reading out loud, but I used to be so bad at reading out loud. And so as somebody who's bad at reading out loud, I don't enjoy hearing people flub lines. If we did this again, I can, would nail no. it. And yeah. do you, so on your podcast, and by the way, I should mention, I should mention Christina's podcast as well. Uh, she's got so many things going on, but uh, we, 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 we look to Wikipedia as we do to see what they had to say. About Christina's podcast, and this is what Wikipedia. Do I have a Wikipedia page? Well, you do for this. This is what Chris. This is what Wikipedia had to say about Christina's podcast. Uh-oh. We're gonna ask a question, and you don't know what it is, so we're gonna ask the We're going to Wikipedia. Guys, we fucked. Is a weekly podcast hosted by New York-based comedians Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson, collectively known as the comedy duo Sorry About Last Night. Described as an anti-slut-shaming podcast by the show's hosts, Guys We Fucked, or GWF, deals with issues around the sex positivity and politics and features frank and open conversations with comedians, actors, musicians, sex workers, sexual health professionals, and activists GWF was touted as one of the 22 podcasts that you should be subscribing to in 2016 by BuzzFeed News and one of the 15 best sex podcasts by Esquire in 2019 and the number one podcast featuring Corinne and Christina that I listened to by What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Number fucking one. Yeah, Yeah. number one, bitch. Suck it. Take that, Esquire and BuzzFeed. News. So yeah, your podcast kills it. I I listen to the free version on uh, that you get on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's very abridged yeah, version. Yeah. But you did uh, move me. No, I, I I'm a subscriber. Um, yeah. Tell people how to subscribe. By the way. Yeah, so we moved over to Luminary, which is a subscription-based podcast platform. Uh, we did that because, you know, after five years of sharing your diary on the internet and your deepest, darkest thoughts, feelings, secrets, ideas, and you know, wanderings, uh, we switched over, and I feel like. Ever since we made the switch, we know in the back of our heads that people that are listening really want to be there, want to listen. So we feel like it's a safer space, for lack of a better term. And we're back to being buck wild. Um, so we're in the seventh year of doing Guys We Fucked. I had ended a seven-year relationship uh, a year and a half ago. So I am now single. And by the way, fuck you for that. I'm still not over it. Oh, can we not You'll say that? Can we not say yeah. it was us? Yeah. Oh. 
but if you download the Luminary app, that's where you can hear all the latest episodes of Guys Who Fuck. We did two episodes a week uh, for the first uh, for June and July, just because of quarantine and to try to you know lend some more sanity. We get emails from people around the globe of all ages, sexual orientations, all the with the weirdest, wackiest, craziest sex problems. And you really mm-hmm. you've been talking about this shit for seven years. You really don't think anything's going to surprise you. And every day I open that inbox, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm proven wrong every single day. It's, by you guys have such a great camaraderie together on the show. I was I texted you recently because I listened to the episode where you you had a, a psychologist on talking about the I guess Corinne had gone through a breakup and he was he did it. It was so excellent. He talked about the just the sort of unique grief associated with losing a romantic partner mm-hmm. as opposed to even say you know, we just talked about my brother losing my brother, which was the most painful thing in my life, but it's different. It's different when when, when someone leaves. Yeah. When they're gone and you know, they're gone for good and they're not still out there living and breathing and falling in love with somebody else. It's such a different thing. There's no vengeance. There's no vengeance in it. Corinne Fisher, who's my comedy, my co-host in this, she has a stand-up joke that is fucking excellent. That it's to the, to the fact of when, you know, when you're say your mom dies and that's, that's terrible. That's horrible. It's one of the worst things that's ever going to happen to you, but that's permanent. And right away, the healing process can begin. Like you're not going to walk into the grocery store five months later and see your mom breastfeeding somebody else. Like it's just this. So it's like this haunt. It haunts you. A heartache haunts you in this visceral way. Especially where it's like, you're not going to see like revenge Instagram posts. Exactly. Living my best life. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is really at the heart of it is this idea. And I think it probably speaks to a lot of what goes on on social media in general, where you're, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard enough when you're looking at people on social media going, man, they're living such a fucking better life than I am. Right. Because, and it's all made now when you have to see it, from your ex, it's like, uh, wait, yeah. why am I not? That? Do you look at the ex's social that? media after a breakup? Uh, um, well, Justin, I feel like depends how amicable setting me the, up. the breakup is. I, yeah, okay. I have not had, I've only had <laughs> really one breakup in recent <laughs> memory. And in that one, yes, there were moments when I would certainly look on my ex's Instagram and go, oh, where here's what I remember. This is the shit that would fuck me up. It wouldn't be necessarily that she's looks like she's having an amazing time. It would be when I see something on Instagram that I don't recognize. Like whose, whose house is that? Whose chair is that? Why are there things in her life that are unfamiliar to me when she was such a familiar person? Well, I vividly remember an Instagram post fairly early on where she was at a pool at somebody's house who I didn't recognize. And it was like taken from a, somebody's pool in the Hollywood Hills looking out as, you know, she posted this. She's like, Dan's going to see this. Whose fucking house is that? Cause I've never been there. I don't know that friend. Do you ever hear my, do you ever hear my joke about it? No, but I think like, I'm about it's to. So to- it's just so tight. To- yeah. I'm like, it's just so toxic. And I feed into it. I'm like, I posted a picture of myself the other day wearing a tuxedo, holding a soccer trophy. I won when I was seven. I was like, you lost a real winner. Here's Tweetar. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I can't do it, man. I can't. I, I, I don't get look too- at it. It's torture. I can't. Me, and I know me too well. And I can't do it. Well, I can tell you this. And, and I didn't do this on purpose, but my ex then pointed this out to me later was not long after we broke up. Speaking of Maynard. I went to see Tool in San Diego and I took a friend who's a female friend and I mm. posted a picture of us. You didn't do that on purpose. Backstage after the Tool concert. Uh, 
maybe on a little bit on purpose, but a yeah. tiny bit on purpose. Revenge and on that one, that one, that one stuck. That 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 arrow hit the mark. But anyway, getting back to your show, it was such a great episode. I listened to it so much of it resonated. And I, I think what's what I love about your show is that you guys are really funny, but the, the 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 parts that I walk away from is just how insightful you guys are and you really feed off of one another. There's so many podcasts where, you know, they're jockeying for I gotta say this and you guys just have a very natural flow. You listen to each other, you you respond to each other. And uh, and I think it's a great show, guys. We fucked. Thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate. Now, that. Justin. Yeah. You were on a podcast. You're not on that one anymore. Yes, I stopped. Uh, no disrespect. On very good terms. I just got a little too busy with other projects. And which, let's talk you know, about that real quick before we let you go. Yeah. Uh my my profession in with comedy has been going as long as my profession with dogs and the two of those intersect with my charity funny for Fido, which is comic stand up for homeless animals. So I've been a dog expert. I can, I think I can legitimately say expert yeah. point, as long um, for 17 years. And during quarantine where everyone's gotten animals, you know, what's interesting, Dan, two things that go up during times of tragedy, uh, alcohol mm-hmm. and pets. Absolutely. Did you know that? You and I are fucking cashing in, motherfucker. Really, really well on this. Thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. But no, like because you know, performing. You know, me and Christina have a show. We're not. We're not not banging. banging, Yeah, that that we're not doing. That we're not doing right (laughs) Right now. now. We're definitely. We're not banging, and we're not doing. We're not banging, and just can't. Like you know, I've been up, like little small versions of a tour where it's just like you know a few states out or Rhode Island and Connecticut and Jersey and things like that but at 30% capacity it's just, it's not as fun and I feel like you're doing it to keep the knife sharp and everybody's sort of having figuring out how to retool and we've talked about that um and then I was like wait a second you know I'm just gonna put myself put put 100% of myself into the stuff I do with dogs and um educate people through Instagram and through YouTube and you know I've had those big shows and a lot of the reason that um, I haven't done anything since you're just dealing with networks and things getting green lit and the process of all that. I'm like, wait a second. You really don't need any of that uh, with the new iPhone 11 and a YouTube account. So I hired a bunch of editors and camera people. And I know, you know, even when they when they're doing other shows like that, they call me to direct them or to to do a lot of the writing on them or to work with some of the animals. I'm like, I could just do this sort of top to bottom by myself. So. Um, the language of dogs, which is my company, I was just like, all right, let me start, let me start really using those platforms to educate people and work with animals. And it's like, it's the other thing I love doing. So, and all the performance stuff, you know, it feeds right into it. Someone's got to, you know, it's one thing to be like a good dog trainer. It's another thing to be able to explain that information to people, have it be thorough, um, have it look good. And at the same time, make people laugh a little bit while you're doing it entertained some of my favorite and i'm not a big justin and i always go through this because they'll say did you see my instagram thing and i'm like no dude i don't really look but there i do actually follow christina and justin i look at your stuff and some of my favorite entertainment it features christina's dog kevin who's about the cutest dog in the world let's hold kevin up there he oh kevin hello kevin and 
And then Justin's dog, Sweet Pea, who he just rescued a couple of months ago, right? Uh-huh. He'll be, he'll, be at, he'll be at your house in California soon, Dad. That's right. And he is just a beautiful, beautiful pit bull. Gorgeous. Uh, and this, and Sweet Pea is a great name because he just seems like the sweetest dog. And there are videos... Would it be on language of dogs or would it be yours? I can't. I they get most, mixed up on with, our Instagram. Yeah, of just of Sweet Pea and Kevin are best friends. Yes, they're I mean, completely opposite in size and stature. Uh, and yet this giant how how many pounds is Sweet Pea? Eighty? No, he's not. He's just jacked he's up. So he's, he's so huge. He's, he's like, so muscular. He's like sixty five, but he's just like a, Kevin gets Sweet Pea to run apparently faster than he, he does usually in his day-to-day life. But they're, the two of them playing is truly the most. I'll bring Kevin over to his house, and we'll, we won't even we don't we'll talk. barely talk. We just watch the dogs. It's truly the most entertaining thing that's ever happened. Is Kevin a female or male? A male. His name's Kevin. Dan. Well, I mean, there's Kevin. There's women named Kevin. There are. Really? Really? I, I dated one. Yeah. You dated a woman named Kevin. She had the hair. Yeah, I hate to break she had the hairiest ass yeah. too, and yeah. her, and her clip was huge. I don't know. She yeah, just said it was yeah. abnormally huge. Yeah, <laughs> and she loved. Boy, did she love me to play with that clip. Hey, boy, does this thing dangle when I'm ovulating? <laughs> boy. <laughs> um. Anyway, the uh, so Kevin is fearless. Uh, they, uh, you guys have friends that live up on a farm or something in New York, and you brought the dogs up there, and, and they have these giant Great Danes. Yeah, that Kevin Giant. just goes, Giant. and then horses as well. And Kevin goes up Kevin to the horses. Wants to hang out with the horses. Wants to hang out with the Danes. When I first brought him up to that farm, oh, he yes. was really young. He was up. He was like three months old. Where did you get him? Um, I got him from an old woman who lives in my therapy. My therapist wrote me a prescription for a, a therapy dog because she was like, "You need one." And I'm like, "Yeah, I do." Right. And um, and then I was looking for a dog, and then never got one. And then there was a woman in her building. Uh, who has had dachshunds her whole life, and she had got Kevin. I, don't, I forget what his name was. Only had him for a couple of days, and his grandson met him and was allergic to him, like broke out in hives. So she had to find a new home. My therapist was like, "I got the dog for you." And then I met him, and I was like, "Yep, here we go." Fran Dressers, your therapist. Yeah, I like yeah, do that. Fran do that voice again. Dresser. I got a dog for you. I got a dog. For I you. got a dog. You for were you. looking for a dog, but it's cute. <laughs> I like you know. Sw- Pacino, who basically lived in that living room here in Dan, and died, died in it. Right and died where in you're it. sitting, yeah, lived and died in yep. it. Yeah, yeah, him. And then I put Chiquita down, and then there was like, and then COVID hit, and I got it, and I was just like, up. Oh, this is like uh, really lonely, especially without an animal. And then it was months was, of fostering yeah. him, and then I found this dude, and I was like, I need a dog that I can travel the country with and train other dogs with. And he was like in all this pain. We found out the reason he wasn't moving is because he had this like jaw. His jaw was. Uh, it was he had this disorder in his jaw where his lower teeth were poking holes through his gums. So I had to have some of his teeth removed and fixed them all up. And now he's like this jacked up, like you know, he's such five a happy, year old, happy, handsome, awesome boy. dog, man. I need Justin to move back to L.A. because my yeah. life was a lot easier what? when Justin was here because then I could, I could just he would take Buna. When I wrote American Wino, the, what we just read, when I when I was out researching that book, I was gone for almost four months, and he stayed at my place and took care of Buna. Oh, that's what I need, sweetie. But that's one of the reasons I'm coming back for the for the winter. I can't shoot here. I can't shoot here. How do you get a giant pit bull to to California? I have to buy him a seat. So I buy the middle. Oh, you can buy him a seat. I buy the middle and the and because of COVID, you'll get the whole row. I'll get the whole row. So I buy the row. And are you going to come out and visit Christina? I want to. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I want to come back to LA. Comedy is not really. Hmm. happened in there i i've told like whitney cummings is having shows in her backyard no they have but it's like a mic 
I, I've seen you guys post up about they're doing shows in parking lots and things. You haven't, I'm doing I haven't, shows. I have a show in an alleyway that I'm doing. Dude, weren't you just in Arizona too? Yeah. Fine, Arizona. Going to Denver this weekend. And then I'm going to Oklahoma City. And then, yeah, Magoobies in Maryland. It, yeah. But New York, New York has a lot of DIY. Let's make comedy happen on the street. On like, a let's roof. just fucking do it. The, the flowers will always grow through the cracks in, in New York. It has this, this very specific type of grit that I admire. I aspired to have for the longest time. And if you live here long enough, you eventually inherit it basically. But yeah, there's been so many shows uh, out in weird places, but we're, you know, making it work. We're going to, we were just kicking around the idea of doing a speakeasy version of, uh, we're not banging. We're not banging again. Cause that was a, Fun so show to fun. do. Why don't, you, why don't you come out here and we'll see if I can get Louie to get us into the townhouse. We could sneak in. Well, maybe we'll do, uh, maybe we'll, I'll, I'll go out there and we can do a couple shows. Yeah, I, I love that underground at a private space, you know, do temperature check. Because the show I have run at, in an alley, we have a meetup cafe bell, this meetup spot. We do temperature checks and then we have everybody where they're mat. Like, Is so this uh, anal, anal thermometers? Yeah, yeah, we stick it up their asshole, and then we say, "Have you been in with anybody that's been coughing lately?" And they go, "No." And uh, see, that's the thing to do at a comedy show, though, is to really do that and go, "Look, they're the gover- the city say, over. well, the city's saying these ones on the heads are not accurate, so we got to." Yeah, the Blasio says we got to stick it up your ass, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then go and then go after you stick it up their ass. Go, you know what? My eyes aren't working. Can you read this and put it like right under their nose? <laughs> what does that say? And now they have pink eye. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a funny little prank. The townhouse. You should write fun. for impractical jokers. Maybe I should be a comedian. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Anyway, this is going to be one of the longest shows we've ever done. I try to keep my shows short because I'm uh, I have a, an Irish Catholic and I f- feel bad about myself, so I don't think anybody wants yeah. to hear me for that long. So uh, mm-hmm. generally, I try to get off as quickly as possible. Come on, that's what she said. Ah, there we go. I was waiting. You guys are professional comedians. Come I know. on. So at Language of Dogs, is where you the find the Language of Dogs, the Language of Dogs at Justin Silver at right? I am Justin Silver. Yeah, I see. I got it all written Justin down. Silver is the comedy and everything else page at the Language of Dogs. Is anything you want to know about dogs? I put tutorials about how to do everything from uh, the most basic commands to pretty some pretty cool advanced shit. And you can see uh, Sweepy and Kevin mm. hanging out, and then Sweepy with his uh, cool skill set that I've been building. Since I adopted them, which is like a lot of fun to watch. And, and for um, this part, you might want to get out a pen and paper to write it down because it's very confusing. <laughs> Can you spell Christina Hutchinson for, for the social media? So my, yeah, all my social media is at Christina Hutch and it's K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A, Hutch, H-U-T-C-H. Why did they mm-hmm. spell it that way? So a woman my mom met once uh, suggested it because she knew that uh, if my mom had a boy, I was going to be named Christopher. It was a girl. I was going to be named Christina. And a lady she met said, why don't you spell K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A? I passed by this, you know, braiding salon that spelled a K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A. And my mom Dollar says, sign. yeah, my mom says, okay. And that's the story. You know, it's not as, it's very anticlimactic considering how confused people get when they look at the spelling. Anyway, Thank you for having us. Why pre- yeah. uh, look, I mean, this could be the last episode because we're probably going to get a deal. I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, one of them are going to. Who are you repped by, Dan? Who I'm repped rep- by uh, the cartel is in my, oh, my management well, that company. Plus CAA, is, that's going to be impenetrable. Justin, course. where are you? Where am I what? He said, uh, you're at, where, where, where are you repped? 
uh, for, for which thing? ADD is your agency ADD. Yes. Yeah. He's at ADD. Uh, private mat, small management now, no more big three letter, no more big three letter, uh, agencies. That means he got dropped, but it's okay. No. Hey dude, <laughs> happens to the best of us. I fired ICM. They didn't drop me. I fired them. That's what I tell yeah. people. That's, what, yeah. That's what I tell people at parties. You, yeah. Tell yeah. That. Yeah. you yeah. need me. I don't need you. You know what? Uh-huh. I, I got tired of calling my agent and waiting four months for him to get back to me. So I fucking fired him, man. Yeah. Showed him. No. Shove it up your butt. Wait, you're at CAA? Yeah. Oh, fancy. Mm. Oh, can I tell you a quick story? Another one, since I'm going to make this podcast go longer than it's ever gone before. Sure. Tell us a story, Dan. So I was watching Saturday Night Live the other night and I saw like the, the first one of the new season and there was a comedian named Punky Johnson on there. Yes. Speaking of the comedy store, I was at the comedy store like a year ago and she was bartending in the back because people that, wow, when you work, a year ago. Yeah, like a year ago. Not like literally, I went to see Burt Kreischer and Joe Rogan and mm-hmm. we went backstage because I'm fucking, you know, I'm important. And, uh, and I don't know if people realize this, but when you're at the comedy store, they work there. So, like, yeah. the guy that brings you to your table is going to go up and that's what he's doing to get some time. And she yep. was doing the same thing. And I just thought I'd bring it up because I want to see how you still get big timed. So she gave me her number and we're like, oh, we got to hang out one day, blah, blah. And of course, I, maybe I didn't follow up. But then when I saw when she was on SNL, I wrote her and I said, hey, Punky met you last year with such and such friend that I was with. And congratulations. That's fucking awesome. You're on Saturday Night Live. I, best of luck. And she never responded. And she was like, who were you? Who is this again? You with? Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Were you yeah, the drunk Corinne, guy snorting the pile Corinne of ashes got to at his meet table? her before they filmed the first episode because I guess she she's an LA comic and her friend Josh was an LA comic and they knew each other. So Punky came, you know, you got to move to New York. So she was here for the first week and they like went out and Corinne was how like, come you're yeah, not on? So you should be on Saturday Night Live. I uh, you know I've submitted tapes uh, and I've admittedly I have half asked the tapes really. Yeah, not on. Well, I mean, why would you give it your all? It's not like it's a show that's launched any career. No, but I, I've yeah. been obsessed with SNL. It's why I moved to the city. I've been obsessed with Saturday Night Live my whole life. I named my cat that I had to give away to a farm because that was like, it's feral. Uh, Gilda after Gilda. Gilda Radner is one of my favorite performers ever uh, to live. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of stuff went popping with guys we fucked and the TV, uh, a, a potential TV project. We've worked on, Corinne and I have probably done like 57 pilots, uh, truly, um, all at various stages. But, you know, we, st- we got a lot of cool opportunities going on right now. So I just want to focus on that. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm obsessed with SNL. Uh, I think it's a great, I, I watch every single episode. I don't miss it because so many people are like, it's not what it used to be. It's like, when's the last time you watched it? So uh, I'm a huge fan of that show and all they do. Anything else you guys want to say before I... Uh... I out. wind out. We're wind out, Dan. I don't drink wine, wine and I am about to sleep like I've never slept before. I haven't slept in 40 hours, Dan. That you're going to do that too. Uh, we're, so we're, we're not, we're not, we're a- not getting off the zoom yet. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, ending, right. I'm ending this portion of the show coming up on the other side of this break. I've got a couple of new, uh, uh <clears throat> nice. Hold on. Right, don't throw up Dan. Throw up in my mouth a little bit there. Uh, coming up on the other side of the break, I've got a couple of new, products to tell you about a couple new adult beverages things you should be drinking whiskey and a tequila so stay tuned for that justin silver christina hutchinson thank you for joining us thank you for bringing to life 
these words that I put on a page a couple of years ago and you brought it to life in a way that yeah, I've never experienced before. And I mean cool. that it was really, it was really great to hear you guys hear prose, read it out loud. And, uh, that was awesome. Has no one read it. You've never had a reading of that ever. No, wow, generally I don't care what other people, uh, do or say or, but in this case today I was, you know, I'm, I think it's COVID. I think it's being holed up in the house alone for so long. I'm opening mm-hmm. myself up to the, you know, the idea that, there's other people in the world besides me. That's beautiful, Dan. It's touching. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's the wine talking, though. Really? Yeah. Let's go slow. What's that called when they talk light like this? What whispering? Whispering. What's that? Now people subscribe to it. It's like a. Oh, it's ASMR. That's it. ASMR. So yeah. we'll be right back. Thank you, Justin and Christina, for being here. Thank you for having us, Dan. Okay. Here, com- you. Here comes a really loud commercial. Okay. Folks, I've never admitted this on the show before, but I'm a guy. Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. Go to keeps.com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair, and your hair will take care of you. And we're back. And as threatened, I've got some products to tell you about. Adult beverages, things you ought to be drinking, because this show is called What We're Drinking After All. Can't just have Justin Silver and Christina Hutchinson all time performing pilots, can we? I got to tell you, stuff you got to drink. We're going to start with the Tears of Urona, and that's L-L-O-R-O-N-A, pronounced Urona. Uh, Tears of Urona is a very exclusive extra Añejo tequila created by master distiller Herman Gonzalez. And this is the uh, Tears of Urona extra Añejo number three. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little background here. On May 5th, 1862, Mexico expelled the French and gained their independence after a raging, ripping battle near Pueblo City. And Herman Gonzalez's great-great-grandfather was General Manuel Gonzalez Flores. He helped lead the Mexican forces to victory, would later become the president of Mexico. But during this battle, a bullet struck him right in his right elbow. The doctors had to amputate his arm. As a sign of respect to the sacrifice that Herman's great-great-grandfather made for his country, it is now a tradition that the tears of Urona be consumed only with the right hand. So what are you getting when you raise that right hand to your mouth? Well, you're getting lots of apple and red fruits and vanilla. There's some toffee and chocolate and even more vanilla. Did I mention the vanilla? Yes. There's some leather notes in there as well. A bit of wet mulch on the nose. You're going to smell that, but... The, the oak isn't overbearing, but it's there, and you'd certainly pick up the agave flavor as well. This is a really, really unique te- tequila. It was originally created as the family's personal reserve, not for sales. And then, uh, you know, he decided he wanted to sell it. Made from 100% blue agave from the high volcanic slopes of Jalisco, which is where most of the tequila in the world comes from. Herman selects the uh, agave himself, or that's what he says. I got the feeling somebody else is out there doing it for him. 
But uh, then they, the aging is really interesting. They age it in a sequence of different barrels. Uh, Isla Scotch barrels, Spanish brandy barrels, and Spanish sherry oak barrels. Five years it spends in there before being blended. And we get all those flavors that I told you about before. Um, it is delicious. And just so you know about the, uh, the, the myth of the name itself, the Tears of, of Urona, the story of La Urona, which translates to the one who cries is about faith, faithlessness, passionate love, and shocking loss. Yorona was a very beautiful Aztec princess who was beloved by a Spanish conquistador. He was a he was a person of stature, and she was not, and so he had to abandon her. And in and they had some children. In her madness, her grief, her weeping, she got crazy. She went to a nearby lake and she drowned her children and herself. So La Llorona, the weeping woman, now haunts Mexico's lakes looking for children to steal. So for God's sakes, if you're down there drinking tequila by the lake, pay attention to your children. Because if you don't, Llorona might come by and just take them. Where'd they go? Tears of Llorona. Not cheap. An extra Añejo tequila. It is $230 a bottle. Sorry. Today we're going with pricey stuff. Pricey, expensive. Right along those lines is, I, I think I've talked about the Orphan Barrel Whiskey Company before on the show. It began in 2014 as sort of a passion project where they they find rare whiskeys from all over the place. That's what they do. If I haven't talked about it on the show, I've certainly written about it for the Rob Report. Now, the the latest uh, addition to their rare hand-bottled collection is a single-grain whiskey called Muckety Muck. And to be precise, it's the Muckety Muck 24-year-old single-grain Scotch whiskey from the Port Dundas Distillery. Port Dundas not around anymore. It's now a ghost distillery. These are old barrels that they got that used to be at the Port Dundas. was one time one of the most respected distilleries in all of Scotland, and it was also home to a piggery with hundreds of pigs, hence the labels. There are prize pigs on the label at Don's, and they have different colors for each one. There's a red one, orange, yellow, green, blue, or Scottish tartan. One prized pig in particular's name was Muckety Muck. And he uh, won over passers-by with his decorated wall of medals in the breeding shed. And this is what this whiskey is named after. This is a very, there's a lot of crisp fruit on this, light toasted oak flavors on there, some butterscotch, vanilla. Yeah, there's that vanilla again. That's all coming from the wood. Same thing that we got in the tequila earlier. And uh, this is a very limited edition thing, okay? Retail price, $225. I know you guys are hating me on this episode, but today we're going we're going fancy. We're going high-end, $225 on this one, and it's not going to be around long. They didn't put out a lot of bottles of the Muckety Muck 24-year-old, so take a look for that. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. I don't think we got anything else to do. I think it's time to call it a day. Yeah. God, I got to start a band. Uh, I want to thank Justin Silver and Christina Hutchinson. Invite you to follow them on the social media. Check them out. They're very talented people. Remember that stuff I told you about the Pussifer concert on October 30th? Go check out Pussifer's website. Our, our old friend Maynard James Keenan. Love for you to be part of that. 
I don't know what else I got. Nothing. Chicka, 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 boom. I'll stop now.